Good morning. You are welcome to North Mid Assembly of God Church online service. As we start today's service, I'm going to read from the book of Psalm, and I will read from the 24th Psalm. The Word of God says, The earth is the Lord's, and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to Him. For He laid the earth's foundation on the seas, and built, and built it on the ocean depths. Who may climb the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Those who have clean hands and a pure heart, who do not worship idols and never tell lies. They will receive the blessing of the Lord and have a right relationship with God their Savior. Such people may seek you and worship you in your presence, O God of Jacob. Open up ancient days. Open up ancient gates. Open up ancient doors. And let the King of glory enter. Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Open up ancient gates. Open up ancient doors and let the king of glory come in who is the king of glory the lord of heavens and the earth he is the king of glory Amen. church i invite you this morning to just rise up where you are in your homes and just join us as we worship the lord as we sing and proclaim that he is god he is worthy of all the praise. He is worthy of all the honor. And so we declare that he is deserving by declaring in this song, I am era. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.
Everybody say amen. Praise the Lord. We want to welcome you to North Mid Assembly of God Church online service. Jesus is Lord. We ask you to just relax wherever you are watching us from. And we believe that God will reach you right at your point of need. As you open your hearts and your mind to receive his incorruptible and indestructible word of God. Right now we're just going to have a church announcement. And our senior pastor, Bishop Joshua H.K. Banda, will bring the word today. God richly bless you as you keep watching. God bless you. very much I know that you've been blessed we've lifted our hearts before the Lord and when we uh, present ourselves and 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 um, align our hearts towards his will his will gets fulfilled and I know that today that will be even further enhanced as we share God's Word we are turning to Matthew chapter 6 and we uh, going to spend a little bit of time in Matthew 6, like I said, for the next few weeks. And last week, we read from verse 1 to 7. Today, for the sake of our focus, we will begin at uh, verse number 3. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. That's really where we ended. For so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret 
will reward you. So we'll just read these two for today as we continue to survey many things in this um, very wonderful passage. Please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity that you've given us today to share your word. And I pray that as we um, humble ourselves before you, you will be delighted, dear Lord, to touch us and bless us. We submit ourselves to you wholly so that um, the Holy Spirit would teach us and lead us into truth. And I pray for those who are listening, radio and those who are watching us by many, many uh, visual platforms. Lord, that they will be able to receive your touch and your blessing. We ask for these mercies through Jesus, our Lord and our Savior, with thanksgiving. Amen. Our message is what does God see in your life these days? This is the question we began to consider last week. So we're in part two today. What does God see in your life these days? This is a practical look at uh, the top priorities that we see Jesus presenting. These are top priorities of the kingdom as taught by Jesus. We commenced last week by reminding ourselves that the era of COVID-19 has brought us into a world of virtual nearly everything. Virtual schooling, virtual conferencing, virtual church, which is what we are enjoying right now, webinars upon webinars, and so much taking place in these virtual um, reality arrangements. So in a world of virtual realities, we said, what does God see in your life these days? In other words, how is your life? How is your life? How are you doing? What acts occupy you these days? On a daily basis, what acts occupy you? In reality, we are saying, what is the state of your walk with God? We made reference to numerous technological uh, breakthroughs that have been encountered, that we have witnessed over so many years. And those uh, technological uh, advancements definitely are benefiting us today. And they're all um, an expression of artificial intelligence innovations that literally blow our minds and we are completely old, dumbfounded as we, we see what some of these technologies are achieving. But we emphasized one thing that technology cannot do for us is live life on our behalf. That technology cannot do. So that brings us to a place of asking a very sober and searching question. How are we living our lives? Could it be that our lives have also sort of retreated into this uh, virtual arrangement as well to the extent that instead of doing what you really ought to be doing, you're sort of, well, neither here nor there. Um, virtual church is timed for a specific time. Has it become 
such a difficult thing for, for, for you to key in as consistently as you would if a Sunday or Saturday were, were, were running normally with uh, physical meetings. Some have actually literally uh, dropped back from those uh, commitments because there's nobody to nudge them. There's nothing to really push and, and, and uh, invite them to do what they're supposed to do. And there are some who are literally losing control of their lives during these days, their spiritual lives. And I am praying that today, since you happen to be listening to the word and you're hearing what I'm talking about, that this would be the day that the Lord would enable you to see a turnaround. A consideration of Matthew 6 helps us, helps us to observe the fact that as we meditate on God's word and meditate on God's agenda for the kingdom, we'll have a way of assessing our thoughts and seeing how exactly we're doing. So Matthew 6, we must emphasize then, as we did, that it is only part of a large segment of the Lord's Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount, we have already indicated essentially uh, is the Lord's inaugural address, setting out his expectations for the inhabitants of the earth, the inhabitants of the earth who would be part of his kingdom and that they were to follow these things. Uh, we observe this Sermon on the Mount as being one of the, those very first few of the deep and soul-searching messages that the Lord put out for mankind. We note particularly the Beatitudes beginning in chapter five, um, the declarations of blessedness coming, the blessedness that God uh, blesses or endows on his people. Matthew chapter five from verse one to 12. And then we notice the ethical teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ commencing at Matthew chapter five and verse number 13, all the way into chapter seven of Matthew verse 23, where he reminds his listeners, um, to let their light so shine before men. Um, so because they were now set up on a pedestal, their light should shine and not be hidden so that others would be blessed. And he goes on to deal with a number of other things clear into chapter seven. But we did emphasize that um, chapter six addresses three acts of righteousness uh, from this one to four, there is the giving to the needy. From verse five to 14, there is the act of prayer, which is considered as an act, considered as an act of righteousness. And then from verses 15 to 18, there is the act of fasting. That also considered an act of um, um, righteousness. Keeping that in mind, I did paint a picture of the fact that there are people today who appear to be oblivious to the seriousness of human need. And as they see people in need, many poor around the world, they have simply looked at an opportunity and uh, in uh, an exercise, unfortunately, of uh, exploiting the poor. And I cited, for instance, a very graphic portrayal of uh, the sadness of the reality today done by Tom Burgess in his book entitled The Looting Machine, where he describes warlords, oligarchs, corporations, smugglers, and the theft of Africa's wealth. And that is the plight 
that we need to look at very critically. Notice that as humanity, we're not doing well in having to do this to one another. Instead, we must really see human need and respond to it as God would have us respond to it. And that is the picture that Jesus paints on how we ought to respond. We went back into the Old Testament and looked at Exodus chapter 3, verse 7 to 9, and uh, observed how he heard the cry of uh, the children of Israel, and he said he was coming down to help them. God always responds to our needs, and he wants to help you and I. We reflected on James chapter 5, which has a sobering question to us regarding how we are supposed to be equitable in the things that we do one for the other and addresses the issue of unfair wages and, 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 and the uh, many atrocities that we as human beings do one against another. That's outlined in James chapter 5, verse 1 to 6. And then we looked at James chapter 2, verse 14 to 8, 24, where there is a culmination of a question that faith must always go with works. And that if you do faith, if you say you do works only, that's not okay. Faith only, that's not okay. It's balanced together. And so we summarized our teachings by our teaching by looking at three key guidelines for meeting human need. Number one, that we should not play to the gallery of life. Number two, that we should avoid showbiz, showbiz, showbizness, that is, showbiz, and a show-off uh, attitude. We should avoid showbiz and show-off attitudes because God doesn't want that to be the case for us. Thirdly, we said we must strive to be genuine and aim to please God. And so we concluded our study last week by mentioning the fact that God is serious about um, us helping one another. That the levels of human need that are so huge, when you look at the pain, the suffering, the poverty, the disease burden, the social and economic challenges, the joblessness that uh, we see around, and in fact job losses as well, and the general loss of income of people, we must be cut to the heart and we must be able to reach out to one another. Believers, that's a given. We must love one another, reach out to one another, and when we do, we must see that Christ, in his agenda for the kingdom, blessed these acts as acts of righteousness. So, as we continue today, we remind ourselves, life is real, we cannot live it virtually. We have to live the reality of that life as God would have us do. So in today's session, while we ask this question as what does God see in your life these days? We focus on verse 4. Only verse 4. And let me reread verse 4. So that your giving may be in secret. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. So today's focus is on God the Father who sees in secret. So that your father, who sees in what is done in secret, will reward you. God the Father who sees in secret. Our focus on verse 4 today 
helps us to see that the Lord Jesus is shedding light on how he views what is done in secret behind the scenes where nobody except him and you and myself are witnesses of what is going on. We all have a secret world and many things take place in that secret world. Today's scripture draws attention to that secret world of giving to the needy, also known as giving alms or alms giving. The Lord's consideration of this matter is very deep and soul-searching. It's an engagement that is calling us to today, which I believe will help us to begin to reassess what we can actually do, how we must do it, and that in doing so, if we follow his instructions, we'll be doing it in a better way. Here's the picture as it, is, as it was understood in New Testament times. You see, in the New Testament, the people who listened to the words of Jesus would have understood that there were two chambers in the sanctuary. The traditional sanctuary in those days had two chambers into which those who were uh, willing to come and serve and, and uh, worship the Lord would, would uh, have access towards which uh, those who were coming to worship would have access. Chamber number one was considered the chamber of secrets or the secret chamber. Chamber number two in the sanctuary was considered the chamber of vessels. Now, the chamber of secrets, which is the secret chamber, was the one into which if somebody had something to give to the needy, if they had arms, they didn't throw them out there in the open. They went into the secret chamber and deposited the arms, the arms, those gifts for the poor. And what the attendants in the sanctuary who would have been those in the priestly line. What they did was to take whatever was deposited into the secret chamber, the, the uh, inner chamber in this sense, the secret chamber or the chamber of secrets. They would take that and quietly distribute to the poor and to the needy. So, on an ordinary arrangement, people hardly ever knew what was placed there and who was in fact given. Except that in many cases, if those people were part of families, of course then the would, family would know. But it was never announced in public. You know this thing we do today where we come up and have make, make big announcements about who we are giving what. I, like I said last week, it's not that when we do, for instance, for corporate bodies, when we do corporate social responsibility, it doesn't mean that you can't, you can't sort of write about it and so on. It, I will, I'll say a little more about that. It's the motive that matters. But we can't do that in a show-offy 
or show-off type of arrangement, the showbiz we were talking about, then we lose what, what God would have intended for us to achieve by helping the needy. So from the inner chamber, the attendants who were in the priestly line would take that and quietly meet the needs of the poor and the needy. Amazing. It was always done privately. In fact, it is noted that in ancient Jewish tradition, in ancient Jewish tradition, as well as today, it is said the Jews say um, many things in favor of arms being given privately. There is even a saying uh, that's been found around this tradition uh, among the Jews that says, and I quote, greater is he that gives alms in secret than Moses, our master. This is in the traditional setting of the, of, of the, of the Jews. Can you imagine? This, this is how they looked at it. And so part of what Jesus was addressing here was therefore leading them to what they knew was the norm, to do this quietly, not with, the, with the big announcements. But it's very clear that the Pharisees and the scribes are the ones who had distorted, distorted this practice because they went into the streets and they gave out so they could be seen by men. And that's what Jesus was addressing in the very first verse when he said, be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So, when you give to the needy, Jesus says, do not announce it with trumpets. This is what the Pharisees and uh, the Sadducees had begun to do. Don't do it that way, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But he says, but when you give to the needy, do it, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. He was not give, telling them to do something that they didn't know. This was the norm. And therefore, it was cutting to the heart. This was an ancient practice around religious circles of the Jews uh, who, even to this day, like I said, give their alms privately. Ah, but the scribes and the Pharisees they abused this whole arrangement. And Jesus here was saying, let's go back to order. Let's go back to order. Let's do this thing right. So let me zero in on uh, three key lessons that I would like us to glean from what Jesus was calling our attention to here. So in verse number four, when he says, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So we're talking today with a focus as we look at what does God see in your life these days? We are specifically focusing on 
um, what, um, what, what, what God sees in secret, what the Father sees in secret. Key lesson number one. Giving to the needy is not a matter of money, but motive. Lesson number two. Giving to the needy is a matter of the heart. Lesson number three. Giving to the needy is a matter of service. Let's commence with lesson number one. Giving to the needy is not a matter of money, but motive. It is notable here that the Lord is very strong in saying it should not be so that you should be out there and about framing this thing for everybody to see, but rather do it quietly. A man by the name of Kaufman noted that these were made compulsory requirements to be done in the secrecy of the area of righteousness. And he noted that there are five discernible qualities that Jesus was calling attention to. And, and I have uh, paraphrased them and, and adjusted them a little bit, but I must give credit to the fact that the thought behind this was coined by Kaufman. The first uh, discernible quality that he talks about, which is made here almost like an imperative, uh, this is what Jesus was really desiring should be achieved, is the fact that giving in this fashion where it's a matter of, it's not a matter of money, but a matter of motive, one assures us of purity of motive in the heart. And it gives the giver an opportunity to remove the temptation of hypocrisy. That is so true. It assures the giver of the purity of motive and gives the giver the opportunity or at least removes the, the, the giver from that temptation of hypocrisy. Secondly, Kaufman suggests, and I have phrased it slightly differently, he says it protects and honors the privacy of the recipient. You know, when you offer help to someone, um, in all respect, I know we, we are big on privacy, privacy this, privacy that, but let's also assure the ones who are receiving help that uh, they're entitled to their privacy and they can enjoy the gift quietly. That's okay. If people don't get to know, it's fine. If people get to know, it must be within the realms where there is a sure way that it's for encouragement and this, uh, the, 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 the recipient also knows that what has been done as an act of righteousness we will be talked about. And, and this speaks largely also to the great global community of, of donors and where we sometimes have to raise help for those who are in need of help. The usage of their images must be within the realm where they're not abused 
And we know that over time, these things have happened in so many areas where children of Africa are shown in, 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 in ways that, that really demean their dignity. And that should not be so. It is against the principles of human dignity that Jesus is projecting here. We must protect the privacy of the recipient. That's what Jesus is talking about. It's why that is important is because for those who are so much in need that they need rehabilitation, when they feel that they are respected, their dignity grows and it becomes easier for them to recover. For instance, from the psychological impact of the, the, the gravity of the need that, uh, that, that has been uh, uh, put on their lives, meaning the impact, the negative impact of uh, either their poverty or their needy situation. There is that conscious level to protect and honor their dignity and their privacy. The third thing that uh, Kaufman talks about here, which is in his view, and I agree, and I've reworded it, that is really a, um, a discernible quality of what Jesus was projecting, is that giving in this fashion protects the giver from being taken advantage of. So when it is done quietly like that, um, those who receive and who sometimes take a gift for granted uh, in an arrangement where they know that, that um, uh, this is well meant, it becomes harder for them where there is room for them to work, they can work. They won't just say, ah, now that I've received a gift, I'll just keep receiving gifts. And there are times that, that uh, recipients can actually abuse or take advantage of the giver. And Jesus is balancing these ideals here. He's balancing these ideals here. And I agree with Kaufman. The fourth thing Kaufman suggests is that this kind of arrangement provides a noble basis for the growth of true love. A noble basis for the growth of true love and friendship between the helper and the person helped. A very good basis for the growth of true love between the helper and the person being helped. These are the... the, 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 the uh, the higher ideals that we achieve when we simply take care of our motive for giving rather than just the, the actual thing we give, whether it's money or something else. The fifth uh, quality that Kaufman highlights, which I've again slightly reworded, is that this kind of giving honors the specific command of Christ that we must be there to help one another. The specific command of Christ where he says we must be there for one another, to love one another and to help one another. That specific command is honored in this fashion and I agree. So, that's lesson number one. I want us to progress to lesson number two. As we think about lesson number two, we must think in terms of the fact that all this is being addressed because in the innermost being of the person that is in need is a desire and a cry 
to be seen for who they are and for their need to be observed so someone would be able to respond. You, in the Psalms, there is an indication, this poor man cried, and the Lord heard him. And so Jesus' command for us to reach out to one another is fulfilled better. But the second lesson is that giving to the needy in this fashion is a matter of the heart. Let's talk about this briefly. Since we're talking about motive, motive is a very inner issue. It's, it's, it's inside, deep inside, in the recesses of one soul where we cannot look or see or inspect. Only God can see. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12, talking about the word of God and how it reaches the inside, says, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It pierces even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, that's the inner part. It judges the thoughts and intents of the heart. That's the motive. So giving to the needy in this fashion is really a matter of the heart. And giving in general as well, even when we give, say, of our money, our tithes and offerings to the Lord is really a matter of the heart. Verse 13 of Hebrews uh, chapter 4 says, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and exposed before the eyes of him whom, uh, to whom we must give account. You know, we have so many guesses and suspicions about each other, beloved, in the secret world only God knows. And sometimes when you spread stories about people, I believe God looks and he wonders. He sees you gossiping. He sees you talking and he wonders because God gets into the secret world where you are gossiping, but he has also been in the secret world of the ones you're gossiping about and he can tell that what you're saying about them is untrue. Oh, how sad that would be, that is. And that is why we must really live honestly because God sees everything. Everything is uncovered and exposed. So why don't we just do this right and meet one another's needs? In 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, the Bible says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height. For I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. Remember we're talking about the father who sees in secret. We're visiting each of our secret worlds today. And we're seeing what God sees. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So Jesus was calling attention to this. This is how we ought to give. It's a matter of the heart. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk from your lips. 
Let your eyes look straight ahead and fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths of your feet and be steadfast in your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. Giving to the needy is a matter of the heart. And we're told here the heart is a place from which all of what we do in terms of life really flows. These are heart-searching issues. I think about ourselves, beloved, and where our lives sit today. How is your heart? Where's your heart sitting? What's going on in your heart? I must let you know that as God looks into your heart and he sees, for instance, your sincerity, your openness, your genuineness, he will bless you. He will bless you. He will lift you up. He will bring opportunities your way. He will enable you to have an opportunity to serve. And that's my next line. I'll be talking about service shortly. And so bless your heart in the right area. And let God direct you. Keep your heart right. Keep it free. And even your mouth, it says, keep it from perversity. In these days of uh, especially... Uh, Political campaigns as we go towards uh, elections uh, here in Zambia and in many nations of Africa, we must remember that there will be so much said by aspirants. We must ask how much of that is true? How, much of those, how many of those promises will really be delivered? And it is sad. And I, I know that what, will ha what happens during election times also is there's a dishing out of so much money and so on to buy the hearts of people, to win votes and the like. I must remind us as citizens that God sees the heart. And those things that are done corruptly just to try and pull people and woo hearts, God will handle. And we must be careful as people let our hearts be right. If we truly want to serve, and I'll talk about it shortly, let's serve people correctly. But we cannot use these means to uh, manipulate the needs of the poor and make it look like this is the right thing to do. Because God acts on behalf of the poor. God is always on the side of the poor and we cannot do well when we misapply what God has placed in our hands and manipulate the needy. I want to go to the last lesson, a matter of service. As far as God is concerned, giving to the needy, as far as Jesus is concerned here, is a matter of service. Meaning, by serving one another, by helping to meet one another's needs, we actually serve God. We serve God. It's a matter of service. And may God look today and see you serving. May God look today and see you serving so that you're not just wanting to appear on a Sunday or on a Saturday when people can see you because that opportunity right now has been taken away. For the most part, some churches I know are meeting, but not with the full strength of everybody there. Many are still out there. And I even wonder 
Will you use the opportunity now to see where your heart is sitting and assess whether if church remain closed for even longer, will your faith still be there? Will your heart still remain open? Will you serve the Lord? Choose you this day whom you will serve. First Peter chapter 4 verse 10 says, each of you should use whatever you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Colossians chapter 3 verse 23, whatever you do, do it with all your heart or work with all your heart as working for the Lord not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. So giving to the needy is a matter of service. This is what Jesus was saying here when he says, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. The Father who sees in secret. In Malachi chapter 1, and verse number 10, the people, in fact 9 and 10, the people are asked a question. Now I implore God, now implore God to be gracious to you. You have to have the background, and the background is that the people here were bringing blemished sacrifices before, uh, before the altar, before the Lord. So their service was, okay, was imperfect. So, and, and, but yet they retorted and they said, no, but uh, we are okay. And God says to them, by, especially if we go back into verse number seven and eight, by saying that, that the last part of verse seven, by saying that the Lord's table is contemptible, when you bring blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice crippled or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try sacrificing or try offering them these items, that is, to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? Now, implore God to be gracious to you with such offerings from your hands. Will he accept you? Says the Lord Almighty. Now, verse number 10, our focus says, oh, that one would shut the temple doors. Right now, to some extent, the temple doors are shut. Oh, that one would shut the temple doors so that you would not light useless fires on my altar. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord Almighty, and I will accept no offering from your hands. This is what happens when service is not from the heart, when it is not sincere, when it's not genuine. God doesn't accept it. He just does not. That's not how he takes service. Service must be genuine. It must be from the heart. It must be done humbly. And that giving to the needy must be done in that kind of heart. And so, you can imagine, the doors are shut. So let's assess our hearts now while the doors to the temple are shut. Where's your heart, beloved? Where's your heart, beloved? Where's your heart? Where's your heart sitting right now? Are you still serving? Or does it only appear like you can only serve when it's visible before everybody? Ah, may God draw you to the place of true service. Let's go back to Matthew 6 
and try to wrap up with our lesson. Commenting on this passage, John Trapp lists a few people in the Old Testament whom he says served the Lord. And this is an example that we can pick so we can serve the Lord as well. He says these are like servants whom God gave an opportunity to do something good for someone else. And they were wise, they went ahead and did it. So he lists Boaz and how Boaz did this favor to Ruth with a, a blossom of blessings, he says. He lists David and how David blessed Mephibosheth, who was in the line of Saul. Saul had done evil to David, but David did not want to return evil for evil. And he takes Mephibosheth, who was uh, a disabled, so to say, um, um, young man, and brought him up to the king's table. And in that tradition, it was not normal for a person in that condition to be found by the king's table. But that service, that service, David blessed Mephibosheth with a royal treatment from the royal coffers in that sense. John Trapp refers to Solomon. He says, look at how Solomon, a great king, humbled himself and honored the queen of Sheba. With all the desires of, the heart, of her heart, so to say. John Trapp also lists Caleb and the special blessing he accorded to his daughter. His only daughter. She was offered, and in that tradition you must understand, offered in marriage to a man who would lead to the attack uh, on the city of Deburn. This was a crucial battle. Caleb does that. And in that traditional setting, it was a great honor to show appreciation. The key there is, is not just in, in, in the act itself, it is what was behind the act. The genuineness of taking note of valiant efforts done by ordinary people. Think about Moses and his humility coming from the mountain and with the glory of the Lord shining around him and him not being aware and to some extent. And when he became aware, he decided to cover himself. And the Bible says we now with unveiled faces have the opportunity to see the glory of the Lord and we are, we are lifted up and we are blessed, lifted from glory, one degree of glory to the other. Now, if it were some of you today and people go to the mountain to do all kinds of things, you come from the mountain and there's the glory of God around you. Hmm. Could we even talk to you? You would start glory and discern the chakuti chakuti ministry because everybody else doesn't have what you have. But there must be humility. If there's glory shining around you, it's because God is at work. Let's give him honor. Let's give him praise. How far our spirits today have moved away from the reality of God's work. How he calls us to that place of secrecy. How he calls us to that place. In fact, we must remember even what he says in Psalm 91. And in the fact that he wants us to be able to dwell in his presence. 
dwelling in the secret place of the Most High. And if you read from Psalm 90 and 91 and 92, you see the flow of that thought. Benefits of being in that secret place where God allows us to benefit from the shadow of the Almighty, the covering of His holy presence. And I call you, dear beloved, to a place of understanding that when your heart is right, God takes not because the Bible here says the Father who sees in secret. Do not worry today about what people are saying about you. Do not worry about what people guess about you. You must gently make sure that your heart is in the right place. Oh, my dear friends, I understand from his word that God owns us a pure heart. He owns us that which is genuine. He owns us that which is done in accordance to his word. And when you're meeting the hearts and meeting the needs of the, of the, of the needy, meeting those who are really poor and are able to help themselves and you reach out to them and help them you are lending to God says the word of God God will bless you may he call you to that place today our savior led by example who did not consider he did not consider Equality with God has anything to be held on to. But the Bible says he humbled himself even to death, death on the cross. And for that reason, God has highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is God. To the glory of God, the Father. It is, is it not enough, beloved, that God has given us a chance to serve Him genuinely? He Himself said, I have glorified Thee. I have finished the work that You gave me to do. Look at what he says in John chapter 17 as he's praying for you and I, as he was praying for the disciples. And we must be able to achieve. In Matthew 6 verse 5, talking very much about the treasures of the hidden treasures of his wisdom. And we must remember these are the hidden treasures that we must now hold on to. Receiving. The reward from on high. Today, I have endeavored to get us through to visit the secret world where the Father sees what's happening behind the scenes. What does God see in your life these days? And I ask that you and I will understand that giving to the needy is a matter of, is not a matter of money, but motive. And let's act to that extent. That we'll remember that giving to the needy is a matter of the heart. And let's apply our hearts right. I've also established today that giving to the needy is a matter of service. Let's truly serve one another as we serve 
the Lord. And we will make no mistake. God wants to meet you at the point of your need. And I'm here today to pray for you and to help you achieve exactly that. So that question again, what does God see in your life these days? And when the Father looks down and sees what's happening in secret, may he see you as one who is yearning, looking, and waiting to honor him. God bless you, beloved. He hears your prayer, and he will meet your every need. If you want to receive the Lord today, and your heart is open and ready, I would like to invite you to say this prayer after me. Meaning it in your heart. Say, dear Lord, I come to you as a sinner. I realize that I have gone away from your commandments. Today, I've heard your voice speaking to me, calling me back to you. Lord, I repent of my sins. I open the door of my heart. I invite you, Jesus, to come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins and help me to become your child. I accept you as my Savior and Lord. Help me now to live a holy life in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. My dear friend, if you have prayed that prayer, I'd like you to just watch for the guidelines to all our social media platforms. Pick up one and uh, follow that lead. You will be contacting someone who will be ready to help you. And your walk for Christ begins today. Congratulations. And for everybody else out there, you've been listening to the Lord and you want the Lord to hear you. Let me pray now and let's ask him to meet your need. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you will reach out to everybody that has heard this message, that has seen what you're able to do. I ask that you reach out to them and touch them. Lord, you've called us to a place of sincerity, a place of, 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 of honesty. And, and as people lay their hearts out today, genuinely giving themselves to you, Lord, meet their every need, I ask, in Jesus' holy name, because you always hear the cry of the needy. And you come down, you hear them, you listen to them, you touch them, you heal them, you restore them, and you bring recovery and strength. May that be the portion for all those who desire you today. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, beloved. Thank you very much. Join me now as we do the benediction together. The Lord bless you and keep you, cover you and protect you. And the redeemed of the Lord shall agree together by saying, surely goodness and mercy and wholeness, identity and destiny shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I will feast at the table spread for me as I fix my eyes on Jesus, the Lamb of God, the author and finisher of our faith and our great high priest. In Jesus' name, amen. Beloved, shalom. Till next week, same time, be blessed.